Good morning. Once again, we want to acknowledge to our Father and our God in heaven that we are grateful for all of his love, mercy, and blessings. Uh, if ever someone wonders if God loves us, uh, then the answer to that can be seen in what God has done and is doing uh, to reconcile man to himself. In biblical terms, uh, when we talk about uh, reconciliation, uh, it, it is seen that man frustrates God's grace and grieves the Holy Spirit. Now, in human terms, uh, on a daily basis, we could say that uh, we try God's patience and we work his nerves. Uh, but because of his enduring love uh, for us, God is willing to take us back uh, if we will turn again to him, even as Peter said, not seven times, but 70 times seven. The psalmist declares in Psalm 32, uh, verses one and two, he said, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. And that of the many qualities that God possesses, he is uh, long-suffering and forgiving are things for which we should be grateful, and for all of God's blessings we ought to be eternally grateful. We want to direct your attention this morning to Luke chapter 7, uh, the text that was just read into our hearing. Uh, this is uh, somewhat of an extended reading. I don't know that you can preach this entire uh, passage in one sermon. Uh, we have uh, preached the other part uh, of the sermon here before. If you go back and look on the uh, website, you see the title, I Missed the Sermon, But I Saw the Sin. Uh, that deals with the uh, other part uh, of this account. Uh, this morning, we want to look again at verse number 37. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissing his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Based on Luke's account here in Luke chapter seven, we want to use this morning as a subject, love and forgiveness. And as we consider the text that we have before us here in Luke chapter seven, I submit to you again that the word of God really takes on meaning and really profits us when we are able to see ourselves in what it relates. When we look at this woman here in Luke chapter seven, the nature or number of this woman's sins is not the point. That there was forgiveness available to her is what should catch our eye. Because that she stood in need of forgiveness is something which all of us should be able to identify with. There are commonalities among humanity. We all need air, we all bleed, and we all stand in need of the grace and mercy of God. And thank God that he's a forgiving God. Now, if you look forgiveness up, just trying to be technical, 
Uh, one definition of forgiveness is a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance toward a person or group ha who has harmed you, regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness. Now, from God's perspective, I think we can take that even a little farther. Forgiveness is not only the putting away of resentment or vengeance, but it embraces a proactive desire for reconciliation. You know, it is one thing to say I've forgiven somebody. It is something else to reach out to the individual uh, uh, that has wronged me. In, in Acts 5, in verse number 31, uh, the Bible declares, Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. So see, with God, forgiveness was not just wiping the slate clean. God actually reached out and said, I, I want to be friends. I want us to be reconciled. And inasmuch as we all stand in need of forgiveness, isn't it ironic that we often divide ourselves into groups? Now, now don't miss what I'm saying. Where God divides, division is just. Uh, you know, God divides the church and the world. But, but, but isn't it something that among sinners, sometimes we can divide ourselves into groups? You know, I, I may not be perfect, but, but at least I've never, and then fill in the blank. As if certain sins are worse than other sins. I, I think I remember the Holy Spirit saying something to the effect that all unrighteousness is sin. But in this parable, we are introduced to a Pharisee Simon by name, and, and while his motive for inviting Jesus to eat with him is not openly declared, his treatment of Jesus speaks volumes. If you look at verse 44, uh, the Bible says, And he, meaning Jesus, turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman, this woman that you look down on so much? I entered into thine house, thou gavest me no water for my feet. It's almost like saying, you invited me over, but they didn't offer me to sit down. But she washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss. You invited me over, but then treat me not like just a stranger, but as though someone who is to be kept at arm's length. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Jesus is saying, you invited me over, but then didn't treat me like a guest. I, I, I'm hard pressed to believe there was something good about Simon's motives if you could invite him over and then mistreat him like that. When we talk about the Pharisees, the, the Pharisees, to say it plainly, saw themselves as being better than everybody else. In fact, the term Pharisee means uh, quite literally separated one. And the slightest intimation to a Pharisee that he was anything less than elite would usually be enough to set him into a rage. Go back and read John chapter 8. You remember Jesus there talking with the Pharisees, and he said, if Abraham were your father, well, well that got the blood to boiling. And then Jesus had the audacity to say to them, you are of your father, the devil. And you remember, they, they, they wanted to kill Jesus there on the spot. How dare you imply that we are anything less than elite? Well, he's invited to dinner at the house of this elitist, 
And, and then we're introduced to another individual. In, in verse number 37, the Bible says, And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, I find the identification of this woman interesting. Luke supplies the fact that she was a sinner, rather of matter-of-factly, as if to help us appreciate how this is relevant to the account. Luke doesn't say it kind of in the way Simon thought it. Yeah, you know, he wouldn't even let him, uh, her touch him because uh, she's a sinner. You know, Simon says it with a great deal of repugnance, but, but Luke relates it to us you need to know how she, who she was and how she was viewed in order to understand what Jesus did. And, and this is worthy of note because our thought processes drive our actions. Sometimes we can let people know what we think of them, even if we don't say a whole lot to them. So when we look at the text here again, verse, 30, uh, verse 38, she stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. I don't know about you, when I read this text, there are just some things that just, you know, I was raised to believe your feet belong on the floor. There, there, there are a lot of things you can do with people's feet, but, but kissing on them and, and rubbing them with your hair, and I, look, I don't have much hair, but, but what hair I got, I, I don't believe God gave me for drying somebody's feet off with. Uh, uh, but I submit to you, number one this morning, uh, there is forgiveness extended. I believe that there is sometimes more to an account than the things that are openly stated. Now, now what I mean by this, the process of forgiveness uh, uh, for this woman started before she arrived at Simon's house. When I read the text, it is clear to me that this woman had prior knowledge of Jesus. And, and when I say that, not so much of his miraculous power, and, and maybe she knew that, but, but she had prior knowledge of his kind and compassionate nature. Consider, this woman comes to Jesus in an openly hostile environment. Simon had no problem mistreating Jesus, who he had invited. What expectation would this woman have had? And, and you see how he thought, hey, look, if he was a prophet, he wouldn't even let the woman touch her. And imagine that if she passed close to Simon, I could see Simon kind of shrinking away. You know, like she's got leprosy or something, and if she gets close to me, I'm going to catch what she has. If that is the case, why then would she take a chance on coming to Jesus? Because I know something about who this man has shown himself to be. I, I believe the answer is that Jesus was willing to be touched by the untouchable. You remember the great declaration in, in Matthew uh, chapter 11, verse number 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I, I believe to Jesus that all means all. I, I, I don't believe Jesus invited people and then got picky about who showed up. You know, if you, if you bring certain things to the table, then I'm glad you're here. But if you come with a lot of luggage, could, could you just kind of stand over there somewhere? He visibly practiced what he preached. Do you remember in Luke chapter 5, the Pharisees actually took exception with him. Uh, uh, Luke 5, verse starting at 29, And Levi made him a great feast in his own house, and there was a great company of publicans 
tax collectors, and of others that sat down with them. But the scribes, but their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do ye eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, the Pharisees were the kind of guys that would have had problems with sick people coming to a hospital. You know, well, why are you eating with publicans and sin? Well, well, if they got sin problems, who, who would they really need to be around uh, uh, other than the Savior? And in his willingness to touch the untouchable, Jesus showed himself to be superior to conventional prejudices and independent of popular favor. See, you guys might be elitist, and you might make people feel unwelcome, but, but when I say, come unto me, all ye that labor, I, I want everybody to feel welcome coming to me. I, I believe that this woman comes in this openly hostile environment because she sees there is something different uh, about Jesus than Simon and the rest of his brethren. But then consider uh, uh, again there, verse 38. She's standing there crying and washing his feet with her tears and drying them with her hair. And then she anoints his feet uh, uh, with ointment. I, I, can, I submit to you that not only is there forgiveness extended, but there is also forgiveness demonstrated. See, forgiveness, like love, is seen in deed and not just in word. This woman touches and kisses Jesus' feet. And this is in pre-Dr. Show days, no less. You know, if one thing is she had, uh, you know, Jesus had scrubbed his feet nice, and uh, look, they still your feet. I don't care how well you scrub them, but uh, here he is with his dirty feet, and she just, she, she has at it. And as much as we are shocked and, and maybe even repulsed by the idea of kissing someone's feet, Think of the impact that this would have had on that audience. See, in that time in culture, it was unheard of for a rabbi to speak to a woman in public, much less have one touching and kissing you. Now, now even if it is his feet, you know, you, you got to say that. Uh, you know, because we tell the story and give people a whole different idea. There was this sinner woman in there touching all over him and kissing him. Uh, well, well, that's not accurate. Uh, she was touching his feet, but in, in that day, yeah, look, you didn't even speak to a woman in public, much less have her touching you and, and, and kissing you. You remember back in uh, John 4, verse 27, remember Jesus had been there talking with the Samaritan woman at the well, and, and when the disciples came up, they was kind of, you know, what you doing talking to her? Now, now, bad enough she's a Samaritan, but she's also a woman. You just, Lord, this is not the thing that's typically done in, in, in our culture. And I find that interesting because on the one hand, we tell people they need to straighten up. But then when they try to straighten up, we take exception to the fact that they're trying to straighten up. It, it has been said that many who call another to reform will not allow the person so to do. Now, Simon, you say this woman is a sinner. Well, sinners need a savior. And here's the savior. She comes seeking the savior, but you've got a problem with, with, uh, with him letting this woman, if he was a prophet, touch him. Yeah, but somebody need to straighten up and they go to church and then you're going to talk about him? I don't know what he's going for. Ain't going to do him no good. Well, I mean, if he need to straighten up, it can't hurt. 
You know, if he need to get right, then, then Jesus just ought to be all in the picture. And it was not just the acceptance of worship and not dismissing her touch. It was an acceptance of the person. Did, do you see what this would have done for that woman? Here everybody else is shrinking away from me like I got leprosy. Nobody want to talk to me. Nobody want to be around me. And Jesus allows me to touch him. You know, stark contrast to, to the way Simon reacted. Uh, you know, verse 39, he spake within himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, now he judging everybody. You know, she's a sinner. He, he want to act like he is somebody, but if he was a prophet, you know, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. You know, sometimes you just want to ask me, how you know what she is? You ever spent time over her house, Simon? You know, because don't nobody know something like the person who's experienced it. If you're so well-versed in what she is, it, maybe there's a reason that you know that. You know, kind of like in John 8, you know, they gathered around the woman. You know, the law says she ought to be stoned. And Jesus said, he among you that is without sin, let him first cast a stone at her. Remember how they all left from the elders to the younger? And why do you think they left there? Because uh, we ain't as clean as we like to present ourselves uh, in, in public. Simon said, she's a sinner. Well, it's not, even if she is, I, it, it, look, she's talking to the Savior. Isn't that who she needs to talk to? But then last there, if you drop with me down to uh, uh, verse number 48. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. Not only is there forgiveness extended and forgiveness demonstrated, but there is forgiveness declared. If the meaning of Jesus' actions were unclear, his words removed all doubt. This woman who you have a problem with, Simon, so much that you don't even want her to touch you, as if you're going to catch what she has, I'm saying her sins are forgiven. And in typical Pharisaic form, verse 49, And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgive the sins also? Well, ain't no beating around the bush. Look, if I can forgive sins, who must I be? Only God can forgive sins. I, look, I, well, how does you want me to say it? There, there's no misunderstanding who I am. I am God in the flesh. Yeah, I can forgive sins. I have power on earth to do that. This is the open declaration, not only of absolution, but also of acceptance. You all might have a problem with her, but I welcome this woman. She's a sinner, yet, but so are you. The difference between you and her is she's trying to do better, and you still can't see the forest for the trees. And, and having said that, I, I feel it necessary to say, Forgiveness is not licensed to continue in one's wrongdoing, but it is being empowered to rise above one's past. Do you remember what Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery in John 8, verse 11? Go thy way and sin no more. Now, now I'm forgiving you, but don't go out and do what you've been doing. Now, I'm, I'm giving you a fresh start. It, 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 do better this time. Now, I'm not going to hold it against you. You know how sometimes we talk about folk, hey, it'd be 30 years ago. Remember 30 years ago what you did? I did well, yeah, because 30 years, you've been reminding me every day. How can I forget? Jesus allows us to move on. 
I'm glad my past is just that. It's my past. And you got a past too. And when God washes away sins, that's what we ought to let them be. They washed away. And I think it's important to note that even if God forgives you, men may not. I would envision that if this woman showed up at Simon's house again the next day, he would still treat her like a leper. Now, Jesus has forgiven her. As far as Jesus is concerned, your past is your past. We're starting from here and going forward. But I can envision Simon. Here comes that old sinner woman again. He was over here yesterday touching all over that, you know, so-called prophet. Men may not forgive you, but may we remember that God's forgiveness is all we really need. And when God forgives, that's forgiven. You know, I don't have to be bound by what people may say or think. When God forgives me, I am forgiven. And the only problem that, that might exist when God forgives me is if I don't forgive myself. But if God forgives me and I forgive myself, then what people say is what people say. And if you know anything about people, sometimes we talk just because we have mouths. You know, we don't filter what comes out or think twice before we let it go. But if God forgives me and I need to forgive myself, then, then I have been forgiven. And Jesus said the whole reason that he came was to seek and to save the lost. God had forgiveness on his mind before we ever appreciated that we were wrong. And God calls us by the gospel. The forgiveness was extended when Jesus went to the cross at Calvary, long before we even understood how God reconciles men to himself. But God wants to forgive us in the person of Christ Jesus. And he does so by calling us to hear the good news that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried but raised the third day for our justification. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. He requires that we believe Jesus to be the Christ, John 8, verse 24. Jesus declares, except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. There must be the willingness to turn from sin. See, forgiveness doesn't mean keep on doing what you've been doing. It means I'm going to let you start over again, and going forward, we're going to do better. Luke 13, 3, uh, well, I got Acts 17, 30, 31. That works. Uh, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Uh, Acts 17, 30, 31, the Bible says that God requires that all men everywhere repent because he's appointed the day in which he will judge the world in righteousness uh, by Christ Jesus requires that we confess Jesus to be the Christ, Matthew 10, verse 32. Jesus says, whoever will confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father, which is in heaven. And then he requires that we be baptized in water for the remission of sins. 1 Peter 3, verse 21, Peter declares that it's not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but it's the answer of a good conscience towards God. And he started it off by saying, the like figure wherein to baptism doth also now save us. Because in the waters of baptism, God washes away our sins, indwells us with his spirit, and adds us to the church. And thereafter requires that we live obediently in Christ Jesus. 
that we walk worthy of being called his child. Perhaps you're here this morning, you want to respond to the invitation or you want the church to pray for you. And if either of these are the case, then we bid you to come as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation. <laughs> 